Hey, and welcome to another depressing episode of the Rugby Report Car for two of our uh, uh, members of this podcast. How are you, boys? Obviously, after getting up early and um, seeing the the game, let's just call it that this morning. How are you both feeling? Pretty empty. Um, pretty, pretty empty. But, you know, not lost. Um, I don't feel like I don't have a direction to feel with it anymore because it's essentially all over. Right, this Portugal game, don't bother, boys. Um, but essentially, I feel like it's it's come to a conclusion, and it's it's time. It's time for some heads to roll and some things to change. It'll be interesting to see whose head you want to roll because I I know which direction Blake will go in. Um, but I will say hello to Blake first. How are you, mate? Thanks, Richard. Um, good, mate. Yeah, look, I, I'm 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 kind of relieved because. Um, you know, it's actual rock bottom. We said that a year ago, said that two years ago. I mean, what have we been podcasting six, seven years? We, we basically say it every year. But but it's clearly and evidently rock bottom. Um, We've and, been to rock bottom a few times on the podcast. We've been a few times. But I think Eddie outing himself as a trader, um, you know, it makes it pretty easy. So <laughs> let's, just take, let's just take two of those things you just said. Well, number one, that you're relieved you lost. That's interesting. And two, you're admitting that... that well, there's um... no need to be a smart-ass, Richard. <laughs> Wallaby fans are hurting. You don't have to be a dick. Um, <laughs> come in there and say I'm relieved, I'm lost. Of course, I wanted the Wallabies to win, mate. I'm but what other, what other emotion is there to feel? It's been written on the wall. You knew it was coming. It was just, fuck, every four years, I might as well just buy into what's being sold. What else is there to feel other than just I mean, like, fuck it, thank God it's over? And where do you point the front frustration? I wonder. All right, let's just start with selection. Front row, three players, all from different clubs. Okay, you've got three players. You've got Slipper, you've got Parecki, and you've got Bell. Um, argue Bell and Parecki might have a combination there. Oh, yeah, winning. No combination there. Second row, you've got one bloke from the Brumbies, one bloke from Europe. No combination there. Back row, you've got Rob Liotta, not fit from the Rebels, Valentini from the Brumbies, and then Tom Hooper playing out of position. No combination there. Halves, you've got Tate McDermott, Queenslander, playing with a fly half who's played fullback all season and can't make the Waratahs team. The centres are a bloke from overseas and a bloke who played on the wing for Queensland all year. The back three is a bloke from overseas, a bloke from New South Wales, um, and a guy who played outside centre all year. How do you reckon we're going to go? Like the selections are fucking bananas. And then you, you throw, think, and then you throw on top of that these are the, the the cattle that didn't get on a plane: Hodge, Cooper, Hooper, Samu, Ikatel, Wilson, Holloway, Neville, Swain, both Lonigans, Lolasio, Fisher, Wright, Banks, Fanger, Co, BPA. You make a list. Well, yes. Where where else? <laughs> Where else? Where else is the anger going to go? You've left twenty international players at home, didn't select them, totally discrediting them, disrespecting them, and then you've picked a team of disjointed children to embarrass them, get pantsed, and drop them throughout the competition. All the while you're in negotiations with Japan. I reckon my gun is firmly pointed at Eddie Jones. Um, and Hamish owns all of that. It was his captain's call. 
Um, he can go fuck himself too. So that's how I guess I'm really feeling. Rather than relieved we lost, um, I guess I feel a little bit vindicated because I've been giving myself veins in the forehead, screaming this every week in the on the podcast. Um, as you boys rightfully look for some silver linings to be optimistic, to be positive, to try and grab onto something to be excited about. Um, I feel a little vindicated that there's my silver lining. Sorry, Jim, I cut you off. No, that's all good. How the structure is, but um, <laughs> if we could just look at it outside, like that point's been very, very heavily made and will be made over the years to come, right? That all the selection, the whole going in with the team didn't work. No one thought it was going to work. If you look at it, how it's set up in a whole, no one man should have that much power. No one person, when it was so heavily documented that it's not it's not a good tactic. It's not going to work, but everyone just now knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing when it's one person or one or two people making all the decisions that literally carry the hopes of a nation. Something is severely wrong with that structure. No one person should have that much say, particularly when they're an idiot. Say hmm. <laughs> not. It's the only word, isn't it? And then I hadn't even got in. I like that was that round. I haven't even got into the coaching staff. Fisher left, McKellar left, Wisemantle left. We bought in a league fight him. Couple of couple of leagues. Palmer doing lineouts, not scrums. Like, I want to know what, what was the All Black coach that came in. Um, what's his name? Came Steve in for Hansen. a week. Steve came in. Came in for a week. Fuck. What do you reckon he left thinking after that week? <laughs> and I think the bit that hurts me, it's all like, oh, pricks on a million dollars a year, mate. I, I, I firmly believe. I 1,000% believe this, and I won't be talking off this ledge. If, James, if you were the coach of the Wallabies when Eddie got the job, you were selected instead of Eddie, we absolutely do better. And here's what you do, ready? You show up and you go, I quite like running squad. I might change one player so it looks a bit different. That's fine. Um, Laurie, you've got the forwards? Sorted. All right, great. Quade, you got the backs? All right, awesome. I'll make sure the balls are pumped. You, yeah. you do that, we 100% do better at this World Cup. It's hard to argue against. Um, you know, you don't want to take away from the progress that Fiji have made. And Wales definitely looked like a team in all three of their encounters that we've seen so far. They're not as shit as they were advertised as to me. But um, it doesn't take away that I reckon I would have. I reckon you're right. I would have. Dude, you look at a couple of zingers on the guitar and the boys feeling up and about. Read your book to him. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have done half the things that he's done. Absolutely not. Like the selections in this weekend, but based off what you're saying, like the fact that Donaldson's getting a run-on jersey and is just fucking insane in a do-or-die match. Insane. Insane. And then everyone was so deluded. It was like, well, I guess you have to. Yeah, you have to because the squad's so fucked. Yeah. Oh. In the wake of it, in the wake of it, shout out to like Stephen Hoyle, Sonny Bill, Hooper, all of them were so candid after the game. And, you know, we've been asking for that for years. It was so nice to see. But the point that he made about Matty lost a quarter over a decade ago and he still can't forget it, like he it changed him. He never got back to that stage. This is going to have long-lasting impacts on these on these young boys. Yeah, and, and I genuinely feel sorry for Donaldson, I mean, not his fault he got picked, but he, he really, like, 
should be struggling to make Sydney Uni first grade. This is about the level of footy he's playing. He's not playing a do-or-die game in a World Cup. It's that simple. That's where he is in his development. He might be a Wallaby in four years. He isn't right now. And you had Noah, Bernard, Quaid, all sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. Reece They've got to be happy about James this. James O'Connor. Right? Uh, I mean, Foley tweeted it didn't have to be like this. So And Hooper shot it down straight away because he's just such a consummate professional. Um, sorry. Rant over, but I, I'm not happy we lost, Richard, if that is what I accidentally said at the start of the podcast. But I do remember talking to you earlier in the week, Richard, and that was before this game. And I walked past you and I said, honestly, honestly, could have Eddie done worse? Could have anything happened that is worse than what has happened? And then you replied, yeah, he could have said something offensive in the media. Um, well, he's nailed it. He had a, a coaching job in Japan lined up. Yeah, he got there. Yeah, kick that box. Yeah, he uh, he has the complete bingo card right now. Um, look, I'm I'm not on here to defend Eddie Jones because, as you know, my feelings about him and the job he did with England. But I'd love to know, and we're never going to find out whether he has complete carte blanche or whether he's it is Hamish or the people above him. You know, yeah, no, because whether he had the mandate to say, look, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that he would have agreed with it potentially, but was it this World Cup, we'll write this off and we'll make changes and we'll bring all the youth in and we'll, we'll try it? Was, was that a director from above? Was it the director from above um, making all the changes with the coaching? Because we know you can potentially make those changes within a game like football or soccer and you can, you know, make a, a quicker change because the cohe- levels of cohesion are not required as high as what rugby are within those key set piece places. But I'd love to know if if it is completely Eddie who's has who's the maverick and has uh, has made every decision and to to fire all the assistants to pick the squad to to have this mandate that we're pretty much going to run out um, cancel this World Cup. Then that is complete madness. Um, but that also doesn't surprise me as well. But I don't think firing Eddie Jones, even if he does go and leave for Japan, that doesn't he's, solve the problem. He's 100% gone. He's gone, surely. He, if he is gone, well, that doesn't solve the problem, though, with it. If the mandate is the same. It helps. Above. Yeah, but it, it'll help man- a little bit. It will, but the, if the mandate above is still the same, it'd be interesting. And that's to Blake's point, or one of you, or maybe it was your point, Jim, sorry, that people above need to also um, take accountability and, and, and leave or to come out and, and put their, fan, their, their plan forward or because... Something needs to change. Oh, so, uh, yeah, world, we, rugby, world rugby needs uh, Australia to be successful. It really does. For the We for the can brand. get into suggestions and things moving forward, but I think, put simply, Eddie Jones's position is untenable. He's certainly lost the fan base. Mm. Like, for him to win my trust back, we'd have to win 100% of games next season. And even then, I don't think I could cop eight months till our next game after Portugal of the fucking podcasts, bullshit, mind games, fuck off. I, I just couldn't stomach it. He's He has to go. Um, the wider rugby picture, absolutely, we, we can get into that as well. Clearly, there's a lot more going on there, right? And Eddie's a, is a scapegoat for those longer scars, which have been there for two decades. However, he still picked a batshit squad. Um, and he has to own that. He still ended the careers of 10 players that not only won't lead us to any World Cup success, probably a loss to the game in Australia. Like we've lost Dan McKellar's coaching. We've lost Laurie Fisher's coaching. We've lost every single player I named earlier out of the Australian system. 
um, which is half a squad of Wallabies that could have been playing Super Rugby, bringing development through. And all of that is on Eddie, as much as all the other shit is fucked too, and, and we can get into that. But Eddie's got to own all of that, and for that he's got to walk. And then the Japan stuff, obviously it's a rumour at this point, but I think for a journalist to write it, um, there's got to be there's got to be a bit of fire there, don't you think? If there's all that smoke, well, I think if he takes that job, if that does ring true, which it all but is, um, serious scrutiny on how world rugby is navigated needs needs to come under fire. It's not okay for that to be okay in any job, right? Yeah, but that that's his moral decision to go to the sit down and do that negotiation. The only silver lining I'm seeing there is if he goes to Japan. I don't know. I, I don't understand how that wouldn't be included in a contract. That's a, that should be a breach of contract. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I don't know how he can't ethically not realize it's a terrible look um, at the end of the day. But mine is if he goes, we'll book a three test series against Japan next year. Make it like a prize fight. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that, that would sell be out? Get yeah, wouldn't it? Mate, it would, it would sell out. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about that? Because I, I, I'm with Sonny on that one. If I am, I think at that level, right, it, all the motivational speeches, all the, at the end of the day, it's processes, it's training, it's strength and conditioning, it's continuity and it's systems. All those things being equal, that extra one or two percent is whether you would run through a wall for your coach, whether you believe in the tactics that he's implementing, whether you, you know, will kill yourself on that field for him. And I just think if if I find out my coach is talking to another country, no. Nah. Isn't it all over? Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, it's over before it starts. I don't know Isn't if you've been following the narrative of primetime Deion Sanders. Or watching that Oregon coach before before the kickoff game against an undefeated team, like all of that shit, that energy, that want, that desire, it starts from the coach's mouth. But he doesn't it, he doesn't come across as a leader in that capacity. He he's a leader that's formed off of results. Like he's been a pretty successful coach across the board, right? Which is how we ended up in this position. But when success is not there underneath him, if it's not there underneath him. All of it's wasted. All of his theories and what he believes is just wasted because we were believing everything that was coming out of his mouth up until maybe a month ago. It wasn't until the squad was announced and people were like, what the fuck? Like we copped all those losses against pretty world-class competition. I mean, that was game two against South Africa. I turned on him real quick. <laughs> South Africa are a great team, man. Fuck, they are a great team right now. Um, I turned on him real quick though, Jim. I don't know, mate. The, he that head has to roll for me, and then the the wider issues and things like that. Where, where are you guys with the Japan business? So, if you were a player in his team, absolutely not. Look, I've been out at half time, mate. Just thinking about it, just questioning it, it's over. Yeah, I would have locked him out at half time. Not if you're a boy and he's the man. That, well, that's probably why none of them are there. Mm. Richard, where, where are you with that? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I don't think it would have had a bit of an impact um, before the game because it was so late released. You know, it was an interesting time. I don't question the fact the validity of it because I think for a journalist, Tom um, came out from Sydney Morning Herald. I think you've got to be pretty confident in your uh, sources of information. So I don't doubt that it's that it's not true. Uh, but I don't think it would have changed the this game. Uh, but I think moving forward from now, 
you're absolutely right. I feel like you've lost my trust as a coach and you're going to have to work bloody hard to get it back. And because there's so long between drinks, yeah, okay, well, I'm not really including the Portugal game in this, but the game, you know, they're so long after the next camp and the next build-up. Um, the narrative will continue to build. The mistrust will continue to build. Um, I think it'll be so hard. It's not like you can just dump the 15 players or the 23 or 33-man squad that you've got and pick another one. There's just not the cattle there. So, um, But the uh, the Rugby Australia don't have the money to be able to sack him. That's the next thing. Um, yeah, if, he's, if he's got any spine, he fucking walks. Yeah, and that's and if he does, that's fantastic. I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, but just, I don't know. Just, I'm not sure he will or not. Um, but you're right about those one percenters. You talk about Colorado State and Deion Sanders being or Colorado making massive changes. That coach has made a difference. I know it's fictional. You think about Ted Lasso making the difference. Eddie Jones has made a difference, but not in a positive way at the moment. And those we know sport is about inches and he has to go to. I agree with that. Because if you've lost if you've lost the changing room, if you've lost the players, if you've got a toxic atmosphere, the game of rugby right now is so close. That um, it's uh, a coach will take you from seventh to third pretty comfortably, but he's actually in a Verdon league on the other way. Other way, if we can just like outside selections, outside our fucked years at the moment, just if you looked at the coaching of this team and what they're putting on the field, just simply defensively and on the attack, like it's it's pretty bleak. It is a team that's no, conceded, no. it's conceded a lot of points, a lot of points, and our attack is as stale as it's ever been. Yep. Mm. You watch Ireland every single play, Andy Farrell, Johnny Sexton has a screen set up. Every play, there's options. Every single play, defenders have to make decisions. The Wallabies, I think John Lance tweeted it. It was passes by forwards, Wales 37, passes by forwards, Wallabies 12. It's like the Wallabies aren't allowed to pass under Eddie Jones unless they're the fly half. I know they're just doing like one that. out. No, there's no deception. It's just one. Like the attack is pass. It is totally banal. It is totally pass. But again, you've got players playing out of position. You've got players that have never played Test match rugby. Players that aren't good enough to play Test match rugby. Of course, they're not going to have systems and screens and all of those sorts of things set up. But tactically, it's a disgrace. Defensive. It just looks. It just looks up. like a suck them in, spread it out. Suck them in, spread it out. That's all it is. Look, and I know we, we, sorry, you go, Richard. No, I think I think you're right, but I think we need to remember the fact that these are still. They may not be world class players, but they're international players or the, the lower level of international oh. players. So it, I, I know what you didn't say, and that's fine. But I feel, and I know I said this last week, they're not allowed to make decisions. They're not allowed to be um, to be able to run a, a screenplay and be able to go out the back or whatever. Uh, it's all very one dimensional, and then that that comes back to coaching and assistant coaches as well. The attack coach. Um, it's such, it seems fear in being able to try something different, a fear to be able to make mistakes. Uh, and that's not, that's not good. You need a coach to instill that value of being able to be free and to take chances. And I don't think the Wallabies have that at the moment. And I know we've gone on this rant before, and it's not to discredit these players because Bundy Arkey is probably the form player in the World Cup right now. Absolutely sensational. But Gibson Park, Bundy Arkey, Max Hansen, James Lowe, four of Ireland's seven backs, right, are super rugby rejects. Mm. To my point. But but this is my point, right? And they're playing brilliantly. They know where to be. They are rock stars right now. Um, And if you think, imagine if Ireland had someone with the athleticism of Nwanga Nituasi 
or a Cotabetti, like just one of them, or a Karevi or a Tupo, just one guy with that sort of, you know, that athletic ability that we possess, they would be tearing it up. But in our systems, it looks like athletes that are rocking up on Sunday and don't fully know the rules. Um, it's bananas that we're playing so poorly. And I genuinely think, had you just picked the Brumbies 23 and filled the other spots with Tupo, Skelton, Hooper, Corabetti, Karevi, there's five, pick three more. I'm obviously missing a few, but the Brumbies, we definitely go better at this World Cup. I reckon even if you just pick the same squad, change the coaching staff to the Brumbies coaching staff, you get one more win in you. Yep. Jim, now your coach, Jim, it's the Brumbies and you bring in those other eight blokes that I just said and then make up your team from there. And we, we, we fucking beat Fiji and Wales. And that's not to disrespect them. Gatlin has got Wales playing Wales ball. I don't think they played brilliantly. They just played test match footy. Um, was I... Has he gone? I think we so. Lost him. Just to just about uh, to build on, I'm, I'm sure he was going to get to that. But it's interesting the tactics they are playing Gatlin, well, you know, Gatlin ball, whatever. It's interesting about tactics though. Australia seemed to play slightly different tactics. You know, they were kicking the ball for days for a while, weren't they? And they they were doing that. Let's play without the ball, you know, and press on defence and stuff like that. They only kicked the ball 18 times in this game. And look, which which is a complete change in in, uh, in the method, which again goes back to that point of coaching. You know, if you have a mantra and you have a belief and you have a set plan, you follow it through. Uh, whereas it seems that they've chopped and changed around over the last little bit. And this was well, another game that was indicative of that, really. In, in a game where you need to score points, right? In a game where they needed to score more points than they have in a while, hmm. like ball in hand is a must. Right. Yes, they talk big territory. Yes, they play territory. But ball in hand is a must. But when you've got to do that, you, they, they, they don't train. They haven't been training to play attackive rugby with ball in hand. It's all mm. territory, which is a very common tactic at this point. But it's not working for us. Well, it, and no, I find that the fact that Australia either play full possession or full kicking, they're incapable to do one or the other, I think um, is totally proof that the Wallabies aren't functioning. It, it seems like a huge regression because you look at the last two, three coaches, a lot of the stuff coming out of their mouth was heads up footy. We want to play what's in front of us. We want to be innovative. We want to play a style of rugby that fans want to watch. Like it was a mm. huge part of our imprint. Our blueprint was very much so, you know, igniting rugby. It was great. Um, and then it, in an instant, it's all gone. Hmm. And I just and I well, if I feel the anger subsiding, and I just don't want to lose it just yet. Anyone catch the press conference? Hmm. Eddie, look, when they asked him about the Japan thing, he looked teary eyed. Heaps sad, mate. Crummy River, you get a million dollars to fuck up our national team. Um, I take umbrage with that. I take umbrage with that. And if there's any more questions like that, I'll be leaving. How about stand there and face the music, you traitor? Tell the truth, mate. You, you picked this dog shit squad. You sacrificed these kids to carry scars for the rest of their rugby career while Wallaby legends sit at home and don't get to watch it. Thousands of fans are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in France right now. Others have bought jerseys, paid for subscriptions. Grandparents are watching it. Little kids are watching it. I take umbrage with you being heaps fucking shit, mate. Answer the question. Can I ask you a question? You do a job in a bit, Richard. I'll throw to you, Richard. Yes, Jim. Do you think it does rugby more good if, as a result of this World Cup campaign, absolute transparency, all those questions we want answered, we get answers no matter how bad they are, 
or do you just all keep it hush hush and no one ever really knows what's better oh look it's i think to be perfectly honest with you i think we all would love to know the the real answer um but for rugby in this country i think it's probably better if you try and be hush hush and you try and move on as quickly as possible and try to make changes and come out with positive statements because i think the 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 negativity that will come out with a complete emptying of the the whole wardrobe uh, i don't think is is going to be that productive as I much as we'd love to go. that's fine empty the wardrobe mate justin harrison fuck off with your shit corporate speak you're one of the scumbags that rolled raylene castle you can fuck off eddie jones you can fuck off hamish mclennan you can fuck off phil they can, they can all... you can <laughs> he's off, never yeah. coming back on the pod is he <laughs> No, well, like, no fuck like, it. Like, I don't want him on the pod, mate. He lied to us. All those things can, all those things can occur, but I don't think you you need to air your dirty laundry completely. I don't like. I know we want to be a fly on the wall, but I don't think it, we need to know absolutely everything. Like, and I when think, cooler heads prevail, that's why I respected Michael Hooper on the coverage so much. Yeah, exactly. there were so many opportunities where you know, had it been someone with my mental maturity, the laundry would have been aired. Have you seen the in, seen the intensity? The intensity of which he grips that table. You seen it? That's a leader. That's a leader. <laughs> Mate, he's firm on the ground. He's not going anywhere. Mate, he should get into coaching. Yeah, well, he's going to play sevens. He looks shredded too. Doesn't mm. he? looks so tiny though. Like, I never knew he was that small. It's obviously something that he took umbrage with. That's going to be my new fucking catchphrase. <laughs> Take umbrage with the journal asking if you tried to be a trader. Valid question, mate. Mate, i tell you what, though. If we were the three front heads of RA and we sign a three-test series next June against Japan with Eddie the coach, fuck, we could get this thing back off the ground. I'm saying, James, coach, first three tests against Japan, let's fucking go. With enough preparation and consultation with the book, I fucking think I could do it. I think I could do it. All right, you get your book, you get your guitar songs. I'll tell you what you do. You let Dan McKellar and Lord Laurie do the uh, forwards. You get Bernie Larkham to do the backs. You get Dan Palmer to do the scrum. You watch a couple of those YouTube squidge rugby videos. What's our (laughs) talking about? Walk out there, spill the word culture a bit, pick a few consistent patterns, make sure the balls are pumped. And tell, tell the strength and condition guys, just relax a little. Just be constantly swinging a golf club too, I reckon. Yeah, fear. What's, what's our role in this, Blake? Because I feel like we, you know, we need to jump on the bandwagon slightly, no? Uh, I'll yeah. be head of marketing. Yeah, someone's got to do PR. Okay, all right. Uh, Richard, you can, you can do media control. <laughs> something untoward. That's 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 a big job. I don't know whether I got time to do that. That's that's, uh, that's that's a big thing. You can you can um all the rash decisions that I make, you just find the right stats to back them up. <laughs> Man, I don't think I got I don't have enough time to do that. That's a lot of stats I got to find. <laughs> you'll be you'll be pushing the numbers too. You'll be forging uh, a few. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate? Because you know when Eddie came on, he used to oversee um, not just the Wallabies, but also the Wallaroos. Can we just acknowledge what he's done in that space? Hasn't he pushed it forward, propelled? Mm, yeah. It's been huge strides. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I even remember talking to Hamish about that, and he was so ebullient about the fact, so happy and so effervescent about what well, the changes were going to happen, and then six months later we're still getting um, ridiculous um situations where the, the Wallaroos are waiting in hotels for a long period of time and their game is mm. not celebrated. Ridiculous. His two cents was drop them. 
Drop them all. There's no one else, Eddie. You got to cut him, mate. <laughs> Start young. Hey, did you hear what Hamish said the other day? They asked him that some of the fans are off it. They're getting a bit antsy, and he said, "Well, if you don't like it, don't watch." I'll give you the hot tip, mate. That's what most of the country's done. There's a couple of us left. Relax. How about you don't shit on us? Jeez, that's bad on his part, isn't it? Anyway, um, he won't be back on the pod. <laughs> no, he won't be. No. Well, reach out, mate. Reach out. See if he wants to. You know, just 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 to come on for a little chat. Um, it's comically like it's wild how bad it's been, though, isn't it? I've never seen it in all my life of professional sport uh, a lunatic take over the asylum and just drop everyone. But you could I just say you loved this what? a year and a half ago, you loved it when he was doing this to England, you were reveling in this moment, yes. <laughs> Of course, of course, <laughs> it was great. Was it that nuts in England? I couldn't quite like. To me, it sounded like there was a, at least a core of players. No, there was look, look. There was. I'll take that back. There was a core of players. He didn't change everything. The problem is with Eddie. He was trying to. Um, he was trying to put his positionless rugby in, trying to change too much too quickly. And then it, he was changing every now and again, he would change a different player. So it comes back to that idea of lack of cohesion, lack of structure, et cetera. Um, but if you think how many times England have finished fourth in that uh, six nations over the last few years, which is ridiculous for uh, England. And don't get me wrong, England are not playing great at the moment. They're just in a bad pool, but... Um, yeah, it was terrible. And Twickenham was a horrible place to go for a while. And I think that's the thing about the positionless rugby, going back to that. It, the Wallabies are struggling with that too. That goes back to that attack. It's just to keep it simple. Like um, Gatland and Borthwick are trying to bring about change because they're just keeping it simple. And I don't think that's in Eddie's um, mantra to keep it simple, is it? Let's be honest. No, absolutely. And I always feel like Eddie's forever looking for the secret bullet, the secret weapon. And it goes back to my look at that Welsh squad. Like, if they were super rugby players, how many of them are regulars? You know what I mean? Look at that Ireland squad. But they play fucking brilliant. Those Irish players are outstanding rugby players because they know the system, trust the system. Mm. And you just get a player and you get him believing and you maximise their potential. You can achieve so much. Um, and it just seems like Eddie's forever tweaking to find whatever it is, you know, that will make us number one with a bullet. Well, how about at this World Cup, mate? We would have been fine with number four. Mm. You know, we we would have been some pride there. Look, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And just last thing, by all means, you two can continue your rage. But it'd be interesting, not the Portugal game, the game after that, which will be a, whoever they play next, next summer for Europe or next winter, uh, to see whether it is the same 15, same tactics, uh, because I, I don't blame the players in all of this, actually. I, I, I really don't. I, believe, I blame the structure and the ethos and the culture and everything that's around, the, around them at the moment. Um, but whether they start a new style, depending on who's the coach, we've obviously talked about that. But is it a, a new dawn in terms of the same players, but a new tactic that's play a little bit more uh, pedantic? Let's, let's kick quarters, let's take our points, let's do all those things uh, that, are, that is winning rugby. Um, or whether we continue to try and meet the narrative that is Australian rugby that always to throw the ball wide and be as expansive and athletic and et cetera, et cetera. It'd be interesting to see what happens. 
Yeah, yep. it will be. It really will be. Look, I'm expecting a complete overhaul. Really, I don't see any other way through this. Those players that we've seen play in this World Cup will be part of the Wallabies in the future. At this stage, I'd be booking as many lunches as I can over summer, asking if they'd come back. Any of the boys will come back. And the old guard. It's a, it's a I don't know. You go through that team, right? Let's just run through it because it's the last chance for the season. Bell, you build your team around that bloke. I see him as a, as a Who? future. Who? Future Wallaby captain, yep, lock him in. That's great. Parecki at hooker, let's be honest. He was a fucking mediocre European club rugby player. He's 50, mate. He's done. He's shit. Yes, we had. I'll wear that, but he's shit. The thing is, yeah, I was just about to say, you can go through all these players, but someone like Parecki, there's there's no – he's the incumbent. There's no one that is going to replace him. Who's going to There would have been if you're picking stuck with Funga. There would have been if you pick and stuck with your like we've gone through. I get that. I get that. But where, I get that. But where are you moving forward to now? Right now at this moment, you've made errors in the past to Well, you've got you a said. super rugby season to watch. Um, and find out which hooker it is. There's gotta be a kid right, right now at a local park throwing his footy against a pole. There's gotta be I, someone out I there who wants it. You. Um, I mean, um, that's concerning. That's concerning. But Parecki, done, mate. Done. I can't believe he got the captain next to him. The lifelong free valet, free valet parking, he'll get a result of that. Like, fuck, he's he's landed. The way Eddie's devalued the captaincy too, that'll never sit well with me. Just took the absolute piss out of that as well. But uh, let's jump over. So you had Slipper on the other side, legend of the game, still got it. But, you know, at this point, is he making any other national sides 15? Probably not. Um, but legend of the game, thanks for your service, mate. Tupo obviously injured, unfortunately. When Slipper came off for Pone, that was the end of the game. If that wasn't an injury and that was a tactical decision, that alone should end Eddie's contract. It was very early halftime as well, wasn't it? Very it was early. fucking crazy, man. And then we just got to demolished at the scrum for the rest of the game. Hmm. Despite beating them at the scrum, it was nuts. Get in the row, Frost. All right, there's a generational player you can build around. Um, Richie Arnold, we've all had kid gloves with him. He's fucking shit. He's done. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Offered nothing. No. He's never played well. No. Um, Rob Leota, I felt bad for him. He was out of shape, but he's a poor man's Pete Samu. What's he in the team for? Nuts. No. Valentini, I think he, you can build a team around him, um, but I just think he was the only forward carrying the ball this whole season. So he's just he was a shooting gallery. Didn't play particularly well. Um, Tom Hooper, huge future, has no business running on for the Wallabies. Absolutely none. It's a shit pack. Halfback, I thought Tate played great. Still can't pass, though, can he? Nope. Nah. Chucked a bunch at Donaldson's head. Like, he, like I, I rate him, and I'm, I, that's one I would pick and stick. But fucking hell, still can't pass. Donaldson I- shouldn't be playing Super Rugby. Crazy. Crevy has not returned from his ACL. No, he's a shadow of the former player, which is sad. He's done. He's done. He's done. Jordan Bataille has been picked at outside centre, despite not playing there, to be a kicker. Um, I have no idea what that selection was about. You know who he would benefit? Like, great player, absolutely. But, mate, him running into contact is just, just, it's just uncoordinated. It looks really, like Conrad Smith, he would benefit from a fucking lunch with Conrad Smith. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> he would. Um, the thing oh. is about the, the, the team, and I just say moving forward because I'm not sure what's going where Blake's gone, but 
Um, I want to talk about the bench, actually, Jim, because I'd love to know your view on that. Because what did you think of the split? You know, having Nick White, Carter Gordon, and Vunavalu on the on the bench too. Um, I thought it was an interesting selection to have a nine, ten, and a winger. Winger only covers one position. Carter Gordon only covers one position. Nick White changes the game in a completely different way. We've talked about the style change from uh, McDermott to Nick White. It, uh, just even the the makeup of the bench was a little bit off off for me. Thoughts? Just the select like and who what positions he selected to cover. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it seemed a bit hedging his bets. The decisions that he'd made to run on. If they didn't mm-hmm. work out, you'd think he'd get Carter on, you'd get Nick White on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I find problems with having two completely different styles in your 9 and 21 yeah, conflicting. Definitely. But if it's a matter of how is the game going to go and make a decision based off that, maybe mm-hmm. that's a smart choice. I don't think that's what's come out in the wash when we look at it now. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it, it's really hard for your 10 in that scenario too, particularly mm-hmm. a young 10. I'm going to get a living say, if you've got a 10 on the bench, you're not winning. Because one, it means you don't trust your 10 on the field. They're not good enough. And two, it means you're going to change the way you're playing in the middle of the game. That's way well, too hard. Well, the, the Callaway, Callaway to a wing, Callaway maybe to a 13. Um, Donaldson to a Carter and at 10. No, but I'm just saying you're looking at the injuries. There's more yeah. covered there. Mm. But you're right. It is, there's To have a 10 and a 9 on the very, both very different to what's on the team, it, it does make a – it does make – it's, it's – it makes a big difference when they come on. Um, but out of that 15, because I know Blake got up to, I think, 13, out of that 15, really, if you were going to look forward to July next year when maybe the next game is or whenever it might be, what are you thinking? Five, six, six out of the, the starting 15? Yeah, right, and anyone, anyone who didn't cry, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon if you're picking the best Wallabies, yes, you're right, Richard. It's five or six remain. Um, if you're picking Eddie's fucking fantasy for some deluded future, obviously he'll pick more. And I actually have the, I take umbrage with his selections. I feel like Vunavalu and Donaldson is like him trying to prove us wrong. Hmm. Like he just keeps picking them because he wants to show that he was right. Um, and I feel like if Eddie remains coach, which better not happen, um, I feel like. <laughs> Many of these guys will still be in there. Um, but I just, what damage have you done to them? A lot. Like the only thing that I keep thinking about, and I was hesitating to say it out loud, is I don't think Michael Hooper's played his last game for the Wallabies. Well, I, I, I reckon. In pain, come back in, heal the wounds. I, I reckon it's part of the journey to redemption, part of the road back to, you know, spread wing. I reckon it's part of it. He needs a homecoming, he needs the ovation. Can I just say also, if you've listened to this far, please re-listen again because every time Blake has said umbrage, I think you should take a shot. I think there should be a drinking game for this game, for this podcast, no? It just uh, pissed me off so much when Eddie said I take full responsibility. <laughs> well, how about you don't take a million dollars then? It's a bit of a cop-out, eh? It's can such we, a cop-out, mate. Can we talk about yeah. the fucking spectacle that was South Africa v. Ireland? Yeah, before we move on to that, just one thing. Just last thing. Sorry, Jim, because it was a great game that was South Africa. I think we need to be careful, though. With, we're prisoners of the moment, and we talk about Michael Hooper and Quake Cooper and everything. They're, I'm not saying they're not the best players, but they do. it does come a time where if they all come back in, they're probably their stock has risen because other players have performed 
poorly, if that makes sense. So if they do all come back in, we've got to be mindful that they're not going to be the version that they were two, three years ago. That's no, one, that they're not coming back in after this World Cup. But two, no, I know. I'm, I know, I'm not but... sitting here deluded, Richard, thinking that if a few of those old guys played, we're lifting the trophy. We're, we're miles off that, right? Mm. But I'm sitting here saying that if Carter Gordon continued to sit on the bench behind Quake Cooper, yeah, I agree with that. We would be salivating at his performances, yeah. just waiting for him to play for the Wallabies full time. Mm-hmm. But by throwing him out there with a bunch of kids around him, he got slaughtered. Okay. Same thing with all of those young guys. So I don't think it's necessarily about that the performance, they would be better. Objectively, they couldn't be worse, right? They literally couldn't be worse. But it's also the development of the younger players, you know, and we always throw back to, you know, the the All Blacks, Ireland, and I always throw back to the old Australian cricket team. It's about drip feeding into youth into a system. It's what the Brumbies do so well. Um, Keeping that core the same, having core values, having leadership so those young guys don't come in and have to have all the responsibility on them and almost holding them back from us. So they're not scrutinised. They can come on with 10 to go and look good and we can all be like, fuck, take me, Kermit's a freak, just pick him, just pick him. Um, so that when he is ready, when Carter Gordon's 26, 27 and he is taking over the reins, his goal kicking up to it, hmm. the rest of his game's up to it. So that's that's what I take umbrage with there, Richard. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not deluded that, you know, Bernard Foley and James O'Connor get get us lifting the World Cup, whether I'd have those two. But my case in point is I am sure having them in the squad and the team is better for Australian rugby at this World Cup and for the development of the future players. And how a bloke who's a full-time coach who fucking sits there and tells us we don't know anything about rugby condescendingly at press conferences doesn't know that, that'll do me. No, and I agree. The the pathway, the the drip feeding back into your phraseology, I agree. And to get him in is like the Australian cricket team. You bring one player in at a time. Absolutely. Um, as I say, we were just looking back at those players with a bit rose-tinted glasses, but I agree with everything that you've just said. Um, but I do take umbrage with... No, I just wanted to say that word. Uh, with the... Uh, with, it is fun. Uh, yeah. With Ireland, South Africa, to Jim's point, um, you're absolutely right, Jim. It was, in inverted commas, a proper... Uh, proper test match, um, two teams that were, it was, it was, you know what, if it was the final, it was, that would have been a great final. It was a great oh, spectacle. Yeah. Um, How lucky was, we are to get that in a pool match. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. We go back to the draw that what should have been a semi-final or a final game. Um, whereas now it's uh, to see who finishes first and second and, and to play New Zealand or uh, France in a, in a, in that side of the draw, which is a shame, which goes back to the ridiculous. But overall, what a, overall, what a game! Outstanding fixture, absolutely. What an arm wrestle, mate! What leaders stepping up to, like just across the board. South Africa. I mean, this game runs again because you know they left eleven points out there, which is pretty yeah, well documented. Yeah. Um. Oh, man, it's really, really hard. I mean, for the record, I want everyone to know that I picked Ireland and you two picked South Africa, so I want to take that. Um, fuck, I was thinking about that the other day. Look, I don't know what point I'm trying to make here. It was, it was such an arm wrestle. I think it could have gone either way. No one was safe. It was to the end. Um, it's two completely different styles. I know like the Irish pack is a very, very big pack, but they really are centered off their 10. South Africa is not centered off that 10 at all. Manny LeBoc, he's flamboyant. 
He definitely can turn, got a turn of pace, but they don't control the game around that area. No. Um, and it was good. It was nice to see sort of these two styles come come in and about. Like uh, they got a very good kicking game, South Africa. Very good kicking. They are much better than I thought they were. I just like joining in the chorus of how good. And I'm actually really looking forward to just sitting back and enjoying the Rugby World Cup as a neutral now. Um, because I loved that game. It reminded me why I love rugby rather than the circus of Australian rugby. But on your Leboc point, I really, really rate him. Um, I wish we had a talent like that in Australia coming through. But he, I don't reckon he he's plays not next game. He's not, he's not fly for the rest of the tournament. There's no way. Yeah, he's that simple. And, and I'm, again, this just could be my own New Zealand scars. I actually think losing is a blessing for South Africa. Because now they get a France without DuPont, without Ntomac, who haven't had a big game since the opening round against New Zealand. I actually think that is an easier quarter than New Zealand. And I know Ireland will back themselves, and so they should. They've beat New Zealand recently, um, and they should back themselves in that game. But objectively, it sounds fucking mental, but I would rather play France at home without DuPont. Um, I actually think it was not then New Zealand. Worst. Yeah, it wasn't the worst result for South Africa. I, I, I Ireland, mate, they deserve to be world number one. They were sensational on the weekend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it on this podcast. I think they played their World Cup final. Mate, I think you, you, I think it's a good point to make. It could very much so. Like you're thinking at the intensity of this, is this a, is this a game too early or a couple of games too early? Is it's a long comp still to go. Uh, I think what Ireland have proven over the years in the Six Nations is that they are a comp team. They do back up. You know, they rest very heavy on their structures, but they've got a lot of old men running around their team. Mate, like the Six Nations is not is not a Six Nations comp. How many teams beat South Africa and New Zealand within two weeks? at neutral grounds like for them to do this it will be off the richter not saying they're not capable but man that's a tough little run can i think they can't rest on what they've done they'll need to take it up a notch they will i know we've uh, i know it's we don't want to see injuries and you've already mentioned them about intermac and dupont with the obviously dupont will hopefully be back in in a few weeks time but is there a concern that those all those four teams, even by the time they get to once the quarterfinals will finish, they would have all cannibalized themselves so much that players will be missing, they'll be knackered, that actually the favorite for the competition might be in the weaker half of the draw, just because which, of which is why the anger at Australia isn't half as enough. Yeah. Because it's it, like that... England could find themselves in another World Cup final here, Richard. Yeah, which is mental. Like if you who are you playing? Argentina, who Fiji, you'll put them away. Wales, you put them away. You're in well, a semi. It will be, yeah, potentially it'll be Fiji who we've who we've just lost to in a quarterfinal, and Come then on. and then it will be someone from the other side of the draw in a semifinal. So it'll be whoever whoever gets potentially. But my point is, out. England has no, to no, win games of rugby to lift the trophy. No, I, I agree. So I was... Ireland to lift the trophy, they're going to have I... to run through South Africa and New Zealand to get through a quarter. Absolutely, I agree. That's why my point. Like they're just going to cannibalize themselves, each other. Just uh, and then the the favorite becomes on the other side, which is a joke. But we can't do anything about it. No. But um, just to, to to back your point up, Jim. Just the statistics. You think about the Irish being, you know, the flow free flowing game. You know, but the amount of meters that the the bockies ran and the offloads and uh, how many times they got off over the gain line, the bockies did um, in that game was. Um, you could argue completely that even though Ireland won, that South Africa were the better team. Um, yeah. And just on another day, um, they win by they win by by ten. 
Um, so I think I'm going to go one further and say, and, and it's been nice. We barely mentioned refs this whole tournament, but if O'Keefe doesn't ref that game and they get someone who's a bit tidier, uh, one of the top refs in the world, South Africa win that game. Mm. I think the the looseness, especially at scrum time and ruck time, benefited Ireland. Um, mm. I think with Pollard and a more strict ref. South Africa probably win that game. Oh. I think both teams sort of play a, um, a bend the rules around the ruck style. Like they all commit very heavily. They're yeah. fucking up for a counter ruck. Um, I think the only way to really go about a fixture like that, not many refs have the confidence to police it like, say, a Wayne Barnes would. It's always been a gangbang with O'Keefe, though. Yeah, it has. And I don't so. think it's just, I don't think it's just the referee. And I know this is ludicrous, the statement I'm going to say, but it's also which hemisphere the referee's from as well. Mm. Um, and I think that makes a big difference because if it's a northern hemisphere uh, ref, I think it's very different, um, if I'm being honest. But, hey, it was Ben O'Keefe this time and it was a bit loosey-goosey um, and probably ended up being quite entertaining because of it. So Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I think he had a good game. I don't think it was yeah. one side or the other. No. I just, his interpretation of the game... Yeah, lends itself um, to have suited yeah. Ireland's yeah. style more than South Africa's. Mate, so, set piece, defense, kick your goals. You'll get you'll get far. Now, as we stand here at Monday, the twenty fifth of September, um, who is your favourite? One word answer, Mister Raxworthy. Who's your favourite for the World Cup? Who I want and who I think, or just my favourite? Yeah, heart and head. Give us a heart and head. Yeah. Mate, my heart's jumped ship. I, I really want Ireland to walk away with the Webb Ellis. I want them to. I really do. Who I think is the team to beat. I think South Africa are the team to beat here. Blake? Uh, my heart is Fiji now. Full <laughs> Biner jersey. All in. I can't wait for them to lose the quarters. Uh, and my head is, I, I'm with Jim. I think South Africa. Um, they, yeah, I think that they don't meet New Zealand to the final on this path. And if someone else can knock New Zealand off for them, I reckon they're going to win it. I reckon they're just a, such a tight group. Like there's yeah. something about that team that just you absorbs. South Africa or Ireland? Sorry, Blake. South Africa. Yeah, they, they'll be, they'll meet New Zealand in the. Uh, oh no, they won't. Sorry, shut up. Yeah, sorry. So they've got a bit of. Yeah, I think, sorry. And I, and I don't know. That just could be my own New Zealand scars. That I just wouldn't want to meet New Zealand and knock out in a World Cup if I could avoid it. I, I think you're right to be scared of them, but we haven't seen it. They're not the we New Zealand we of old. We haven't. You're exactly right, Jim. I just still feel like it's there, but it, again, it could just be my own PTSD. I reckon anyone <laughs> coming up against New Zealand would fancy themselves. And and so they should. France, Ireland, and South Africa. So they should. And they should probably be favourites. Mm. I'm still back in New Zealand. <laughs> mm. Um. Just one thing on it, and look, I agree, Ireland is playing great rugby at the moment. They are number one in the world um, for a reason. It'd be interesting to see, and I'm not suggesting that this is going to happen, but that is the, the one last interesting, in inverted commas, game left, left of the tournament is the Ireland-Scotland game, which is obviously uh, next Sunday, I think it is, next or next weekend anyway. Um, Scotland have been hard done by a little bit in this tournament. You know, they could have had the South African, who was it, South African guy, could have been Jesse Creel, I think it was, could have been sent off, and Scotland could have been in this conversation. So uh, the Ireland-Scotland game is not a, do I expect Ireland to win? Yes, but it's not a not a done deal as 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 well we as what we all think. 
Um, but to, to agree with your boys, which to you two, which means that it definitely won't happen, I do think South Africa are the best team in the competition left. Who's your heart, Richard Pons, obviously? Uh, obviously, yes, but that's not going to happen. So um, I think you got a nice, cushy run, mate, and I think there are experienced players in that team and there are goal kickers in that team, and I think Borthwick's playing a style that, suits England right now. Don't get me wrong. I think they're an outside chance, but I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, it's not impossible, but let's be honest. You know, we've played a poor Argentina team. Uh, we've played uh, Chile, who were also not very good either the other day. So it needs to be tempered a little bit, you know, and we've played Japan and beat them. And um, But it needs to be tempered slightly. It's not like we've played a, a huge powerhouse, but again, that goes back to the draw. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens, but we can only hope for the best, which for you is for us to get knocked out in the quarterfinals against Fiji. For me, is to go a little bit further. Yeah, just a, a real, real dark day for Australian rugby, and I think it does culminate 20 years of mismanagement, of disunity, of, you know, a boys club cabal in Sydney, blah, 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 lack of centralisation, lack of a third tier, lack of funding the women's game to grow the game lack of pathways from school to club rugby, lack of funding in public schools, all of those things are objectively true. Uh, and it's been 20 years of, of mismanagement, one fuck up after another in all of those spaces. There's poor coaching pathways. There's poor playing pathways. You're a young bloke. League looks more appealing right now. Um, it's, it's a dark days. But at the end of the day, you pick a sensible squad you pick a sensible game plan, the Wallabies are competing for a semi-final. And a few things go your way, you're in a World Cup final. Um, and and two people need to, to roll for that, and that is Hamish and Eddie. And I hate to circle back at the end of the podcast, but it, it after a, a – I've never seen anything that disgraceful than what we've seen. Um, the way it threw out old Wallabies and threw young Wallabies to the sacrifice pit was just disgusting. Mm. I take umbrage with it. <laughs> um, I think that's probably the best way to finish the podcast. Um, unless there's anything else, Jim, you got anything to bring else to follow that up? Um, nah, look, well said, mate. I take umbrage too. I'm glad we sort of come into an end of this spiral of a World Cup campaign that it's been. It's been filled, filled with headlines and not good ones. Selections, Akubras, Northern Territory, omissions, secret training camps, interviews. It's been a it's been a farce. It's been really, really unacceptable. And a lot of people should be hanging their heads in shame today. Um Mostly just but, two people. but the players. Everyone but the players in my book. Except there'd be two people who'd be sitting there with a fucking grin for days. One of them would be Dave Rennie. How happy is that bloke? And you and Mackenzie. How happy would that bloke be? And I reckon Kemeny's looking around the change room going, how the fuck am I here? <laughs> He's on the hop on, hop off. Yeah, what's going on? Anyway, back on the Kentucky bus. Yeah, I'm <laughs> What All about right. this Portugal fixture? Just very quickly, two minutes. What does this Portugal fixture mean to anyone? It means Nothing. a lot to it means a lot to the Portuguese. They want to play Australia. Playing Australia is still a big thing. For that country, it will be an amazing experience for them to 
um, to compete to beat the Wallabies. Them. I wouldn't say beat, but they're to compete to compete against the Wallabies. They won't win. This it is what I want to see happening. I mean, he'll have to give everyone a run in the squad who hasn't got a game yet. So that's what he'll do with selections, you would imagine. But this is what I hope happens. Eddie shows up pre-game and the door's locked. And Angus Bell says, I've got it from here, mate. That's big. That's what I do. Ah, that's what I want to see happen. That's what I would do, I reckon. Well, we don't need, need to let the media know, but we don't need to hear from you right now, Eddie. You fuck off to Japan, mate. And uh, Jim, are you going to find your old England shirt to support the Red Rose, yes? Absolutely. My 2003 jersey, already ironed it out, got the uh, the stains out of it, it's as white as ever. Awesome. CG jerseys in the mail, boys. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you wearing it, mate. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uru. Uru.